welcome to Story Pairings, a show about a southern gal from Texas and her Manhattan best friend connecting through our favorite novels. From dark and twisty to warm and cozy, we're covering every genre. Each episode, we're recommending our favorite reads and a pairing that will help you feel immersed in the story. Okay, are you ready? Because we have these 40-minute Zooms, I feel like I like almost don't want to chit chat because I'm like okay we're gonna run out of time we can knock it out yeah I know like when we monetize the podcast we can finally pay for the the zoom (laughs) (laughs) one day one can dream of free unlimited zooms (laughs) it's probably like two dollars a month I'm like no (laughs) we are running a negative profit (laughs) This is for us. It's our hobby. <laughs> no one even listens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we got 11 listens on the Throne of Glass one. And I was like, really? Who are you? I don't know. Me and Alex were only two of them. So. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Being a it's content hard. creator. It's impossible these days. Oh man. Miles sings this song because I'll like see something slightly book related and I'll be like oh I gotta take a picture of it you know and he'll go everything is content everything is content like he's just always like singing this song like following me around (laughs) and so I have all this content that I'm taking photos of but then later I go back and I look at it and I'm like this is horrible I'm like an old lady like fingers in the frame like (laughs) I was taking photos for someone the other day and my finger was in the frame I was like what happened (laughs) When did I age like this? This is my job. <laughs> Get better. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, but how seriously, like, I love that song. That should be our theme song. Yeah, we should. Everything is Everything is good. <laughs> Can you imagine when we have a baby Rossiter? I'll be like, everything gets clicked like chubby little baby cheeks. <laughs> That's true, though. That is true. Throw a book next to him. <laughs> done gold and the book is like what to expect when you're expecting wipe <laughs> up guys hot new title just released hot take <laughs> oh hot man take. not enough spice in this title but yeah <laughs> the sex scenes were very clinical <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm done being funny let's get All into right. it you want to talk about books? Let's talk about books, baby. My favorite song. All, All right. right. What is your what is your latest obsession recently? Okay, this is going to be short and sweet because everybody's already heard of it. I am a basic B and I don't try to hide it. So my latest obsession is my Stanley Cup. <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's for you. You're a Stanley Cup girl now. I have two of them. I don't have one. How does it feel in your hands? It feels beautiful. Like, so let me preface this by saying I did not purchase either of my Stanleys. I was gifted two of them for Christmas by people who know that I am dehydrated 1,000 (laughs) times. And they were trying to, like, do me a solid when that New Year's resolution came around. And... And it, it, you know, it worked out because I am drinking uh, at least one and a half of those every day, which is about half my body weight in ounces. And so, yeah, I like it. Uh, can, 
can confirm that you are a dehydrated person. The most dehydrated person I've ever met, to be fair. Your skin is so clear. Your skin is very clear. And that is not that Zio skincare that I plugged a couple months ago because I ran out and I'm too poor to get more. So this is good old CeraVe. (laughs) I love how the cups have changed over time. Like it used to be the Yetis Mm -hmm. and then it was the Hydro Flask. I'm still, I'm out of touch. I'm still using a hydro flask. <laughs> so like 2020 mm-hmm. and then now it's Stanley cups. And the Stanley is an accessory. Like it's so large that you might as well just make it go with your outfit. So I have a cream one, um, like cream and white and um, it's the Stanley 2.0 40 ounce. And then I also have a hot pink. I guess it's like carnation or something. I don't remember what it's called. But that one's sold out. And people are selling it online for like $120. It's insane. Wow. But I'm not selling it. I already it. drink out of it. <laughs> True. <laughs> if I've got like a neutral option or if I'm wearing like all black, maybe I want to pop a color. I can carry my pink one. I don't know. I love that. It's in your cup holder. Uh, it's got like a soft touch handle, nice large straw. It's got little a little thing that holds your straw in place, which is great. It's dishwasher safe. And um, also you can carry it on your hip like a baby. <laughs> it's that big. I was walking through the office today with it just in the crook of my arm. Like, yeah, feels about right. <laughs> um, my toxic trait is that I would gnaw the straw. And I'm too embarrassed to carry that around. So I'm going to stick with my hydro flask because I can fold my straw down and people don't have to see how disgusting I am. Let's get into your latest obsession now. Um, So I am also um, a basic bee. And so my latest obsession has been Valentine's Day. I feel like there's like two extreme schools of thought on this. You either love Valentine's Day or you're staunchly against it. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the red. I love the pink. I love the consumerism. Yes. Um, So I've been eating a lot of cookies, a lot of chocolate, everything heart-shaped because it's like the only time of year that you can do it unironically. Um, So I've really been enjoying the snacks and the aesthetic. Not really a hot take, but... That's where we're at this week. I feel like even when I was a sad single girly, not all of my single years were sad years, but even when I was like in the lowest of lows, like, man, I wish I was in a relationship. I still love Valentine's Day for exactly those things. The snacks, the heart-shaped everything, getting cute new pajamas, even though I was like, just gonna hang out at home and watch romantic comedies. Like, it's just a fun holiday. I know. I love it. So I've been enjoying it. I'm this weekend. I'm going to pick up some of those like old school little like folding Valentines <laughs> to give out to people like friends and friends at the office. Not everyone at the office. That would be weird, but like friends, you know, that's hilarious and sweet. I love it. Maybe I actually- little heart shaped stickers that would come and you would fold a Valentine in half and do the little heart shaped sticker. Yeah. I'm on I'm the hunt really for those this weekend. Maybe they'll have made a comeback like everything else from the 90s and 2000s. I hope so. <laughs> I saw this week that Juicy Velour tracksuits are back for sale with the word juicy on the butt. <sighs> oh, okay. <laughs> like the low-slung, flare-leg, velour track pants. 
I can just feel it. I'm cringing. <laughs> They're pretty bad. <laughs> Whose body looks good in that? You would always see some girl no with the word juicy on her butt and you'd be like, oh, that's not the adjective that I would have chosen. Do you remember the velour suits that we had in college? Oh, heck yeah. The twirl jack ones? They were iconic. Um, They did not say anything on the butt, which is a big step up from the juicies. Mm-hmm. They could have said jacks right across the butt. They could have said jacks across the booty. You know what? I don't think I would have hated that. I wouldn't have either. And they had a little like, bejeweled uh, pull on the zipper. Oh my gosh. Iconic. It's still at my mom's house. She left that thing like out. To go get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's again. You wear those pants like to Equinox. I don't even know. <laughs> All right. Well, step one, get an Equinox membership. <laughs> Step two, find the motivation to go to Equinox. Step one is to become, like, make myself look like the kind of person that goes to Equinox. Okay, no, step one, have money. Okay, yeah, that's, we're done right there, all right. million dollars minimum (laughs) before you even think about setting foot in a Berries or an Equinox. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Anywho's okay, let's get into recently read plus a pairing. Alex, take it away. All right, so my recently read was actually on my currently reading last week, so I'm going to keep this short. Um, recently read the Wicked series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Um, I'm bringing this up again, though, because I have a little bit more to add that I didn't know last week, so I just finished... The main series, it's a trilogy. It's about a girl named Ivy. She's a redhead. Uh, love redheads. Yeah, I love friendship. Um, living in New Orleans, she's part of the order. They're meant to hunt Faye. Um, the Faye, the bad Faye come over from the other world and chaos ensues. And, um, you know, so it's a kind of an urban paranormal fantasy. Um, this one is new adult. So there's a little bit of romance to it. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think, I mean, JLA, she has just found her sweet spot with, uh, you know, paranormal and fantasy. And I realized that this has become a JLA fan podcast. I'm <laughs> almost through everything that's on my list. And I promise I will get to some other content. But the thing with Wicked is there are movies. Mm. So there is a service called Passion Flicks. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's it's. I think it's kind of fallen under the umbrella of Amazon um, recently, which what hasn't. But um, the point of Passion Flicks is it's like a smaller studio. And what they really try to do is take books that people love and maintain the integrity of the book when they turn it into a film. Hmm. So you go into it and you know that they're not going to vastly change it. You're not going to get upset. Um, So I hadn't watched the book whenever I talked. I mean, I hadn't hadn't watched the movie whenever I talked to you last week, but I watched the first movie a couple of nights ago. It it is so good. Um, I would say like read the book before you watch the movie. Um, The main character, she's beautiful. The leading male main character 
oh my gosh <laughs> he's played by this um like small time actor whose name is Liam Hall and that boy he has the most cut jawline of anyone I've ever seen I would love to watch him drink milk no <laughs> we're gonna have to drink milk now okay <laughs> sounds good I'm googling him right now and man yeah you're not lying he's a cutie but they do a really good job like the actors are really good it's um I don't know the movie's fantastic I still need to watch the second movie and then the third movie is in the works um I can't see that but just know Um, I'm impressed (laughs) anyway so I am like a certified card carrying the book was better hate all movie adaptations um this is fantastic truly um so pair the book with the movie I would read all of the books before you watch the first movie um you don't really get spoiled but you know how in movies how you have to set up some foreshadowing in a kind of an obvious way Mm-hmm. um some people can't... will be half watching and you got to make it like spoon feed it to them correct and you can't really do subtlety in a movie very well mm-hmm. um so I I just suggest reading at least through the first two um before you watch the first movie but the movie's fantastic so pair it with the movie and also they are based in New Orleans so they're frequently at Cafe du Monde getting beignets Yes. I've never been there. I've actually never been to New Orleans. I've been um, to Cafe Du Monde twice. And you got the beignets? Not to brag, but yes, I got the beignets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're in New Orleans or going to New Orleans, <laughs> get some beignets. Not a hot take. I'm going to be in New Orleans later this year, so I'm going to get some then. But um, that's it for me on Wicked. This is the last time you're going to hear about it. <laughs> except for maybe next week after I watch the second movie <laughs> and I just need to talk about it again you gotta let us know all right um, what have you been reading or what have you recently read so I'm gonna bring a nonfiction title and it's not one that I've talked about before because I'm trying to keep it fresh um but this book is called The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi and uh, the tagline is embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. So this is almost a pairing for my like obsession that I brought last week, the Cultivate What Matters uh, planner, because this book also kind of helps you drill down into like what actually matters to you. Um, so she emphasizes like being a genius about things that you really care about and are passionate about and being lazy about the things that don't matter to you even if other people think that they should matter to you so um just a quick synopsis um on goodreads it says being a lazy genius isn't about doing more or doing less it's about what doing what matters to you So the chorus of shoulds is loud. You should enjoy the moment, dream big, have it all, get up before the sun, track your water consumption, go on date nights, and be the best. Or maybe you should ignore what people think, live on dry shampoo, be a negligent PTA mom, have a dirty house, and claim your hot mess like a badge of honor. (laughs) So it's like, 
it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the mixed messages we're told by our culture. Um, so she has these principles that help you kind of not just lean into the chaos and be like, my life is a disaster and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, but also like not feel like you have to check every box and be perfect at everything. Um, so the principles are like starting small. She references James Clear. So if you read Atomic Habits, those mm-hmm. two would make a nice like back-to-back uh, read. Um, decide once. So there are some things where she has made a decision one time and that is the decision for this season of life. And so it's like, um, I don't know, I guess if your kids ask every week after church, are we going out to eat? Can we go out to eat, mom? Are we going out to eat? Like, you should look at your budget and be like, do we have money to go out to eat every week? Maybe we just make that a thing. Sunday lunch, we always go out. Or should I put something in the crock pot that morning? Because we don't have it in the budget. And then I tell them, stop asking. We're never going out to eat after church. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be forever. She talks about that too. Like, maybe that's the season that you're in with little kids. And you're like, we can't go out for nice dinners for a couple years because my kids are animals or, um, I don't know. She has some really good examples. I'm just kind of throwing them off the cuff, but, um, I think for her, it's like every Friday night they get pizza, um, because the week has been long. And so she has already decided when the week begins Friday night, we're having pizza. Um, so it's just stuff like that. Like one of my favorite principles that she talked about was what can you do now that you'll thank yourself for later? So sometimes in the evening, I'll just be like, I should get up and clean the kitchen. I should set up the coffee pot for tomorrow morning, but I just don't want to. And then I'll think to myself, well, what will I thank myself for later? And there are certain evenings where I'm just like, but I'm really tired. And I decide like, this just doesn't matter that much to me. And I let it go. And when I wake up tomorrow and I don't have coffee in the coffee pot, I'm not like, Oh man, like mm-hmm. you made like I should con- have done that. Yeah, because right. I made a conscious decision. I could do that, and I'm deciding my rest is more important right now. Like, I don't know. It just had she had a really uh great, clear, guilt-free way to kind of like free you up from all the shoulds in life if you're that kind of a person that struggles with that. That's refreshing. And it's like pretty faith-based as well. I would say you could read this if you're not a believer, just know that she will occasionally throw in like, oh, because I need to read my Bible in the mornings before my kids get up or whatever. Um, So if that like triggers you, then just know that that's in there, but it's not Mm -hmm. the main focus of the book, I would say. Right. And then I would pair this with, if, if you're a girly like me who, uh, loves a checklist is always feeling guilty about what they should be doing wants to be the best and perfect then like you're probably gonna really like this pairing so it's a practical action step (laughs) that you can take (laughs) you read the book pull out a sheet of paper or make a pinterest board of meals that you can have on rotation so these are things that i have cooked before that are like easy weeknight dinners that are relatively healthy. doesn't have to be like whole 30 paleo, gluten-free, keto, whatever. Like just, it's got a protein, it's got vegetables, like that kind mm-hmm. of vibe. Um, and 
since we got married, I made a Pinterest board that's called the rotation. That's just what it's called. And it's like, every time I try a new meal, if we like it, and it was pretty easy, I'll put it on that board. And then when I'm like meal prepping on Sunday, if I don't know what to make, I can just go scroll through and be like, I feel like making these three things. I I do enjoy cooking. So if I'm having a day where I don't have a lot going on and I try a new recipe, you know, then that's a good time to experiment. So I don't always go to the rotation, but it really helps in a pinch. I like that board of yours. You've shared it with me before. <laughs> and I can also confirm that we have added that pretty recently, I would say like this year to our kind of household list is the meals on rotation. And um, being in New York, I have to order groceries. I don't have to, but it's the cheapest, best option. So ordering groceries, I have like the same cart and I can go back and just express reorder, add everything back to the cart, order it again. It's things I know that we'll like that are easy, that are semi-healthy for the most part, you know, and it's like, you don't even have to think about it. Like, oh, well, we had this last week. Like, no, it's easy. We like it. It's healthy. Just order it all again. And it kind of takes out that kind of decision fatigue that you can reach in your week. Yeah, definitely. So, big fan um, of this one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read this one. I like it. You are? The, nonfiction she, book. She also has, I listened to it on audio. Kendra reads the book herself. Um, normally if I do nonfiction, it's on audio while I'm at work. But um, she has recently written a cookbook as well called The Lazy Genius Kitchen. So I'd be interested to check that out and see what she says. Ooh, I bet that one's good too. She's probably like, are you worried about correctly chopping an onion? Who cares? Did <laughs> 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 it get chopped? <laughs> yeah, okay, you did it right. Good. That's fantastic. She's great. Anyway, let's talk about what we're uh, currently reading plus a pairing. Kick it off. All right. I am currently reading Anastasia by Sophie Lark. Ooh, that cover is pretty. Isn't it? Okay. So I'm currently reading Anastasia by Sophie Lark. Sophie Lark, excuse me. Um, like I was saying, this one was pretty popular on book talk, bookstagram about a month ago. Um, so I'm a little bit late to the party. It is on Kindle Unlimited, so you can get it for free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. Nice. Um, I, be I believe Kindle Unlimited, you can have a free trial as well. Mm -hmm. At least that was, you did? Okay. I was going to say, that was the case whenever I did it about a year ago. Um, so this one is an Anastasia retelling. Um, Sophie Lark does include a um, forward note that it's not the Anastasia re retelling that you're expecting. Um, so she specifically says, let me find it. Um, I think what captivates us about Anastasia is our dream of what could have been. Anastasia's death was so tragic. I wanted to give her another life. Mm. So it's a retelling, reimagining um type of story it even says this book is not a retelling of any other Anastasia story um it, it includes magic this is my fantasy of the happy ending Anastasia deserved um the preface is really sweet um so I'm like really excited to read it um so look at this it's a it's a oh. thick it's a thick girl 
Three um, over there. It's huge. And the actual novel itself includes like artwork Ooh, throughout. Cool. It's a really beautiful book. So I hadn't read too far in it. I think the day that I was reading it, I just wasn't in the mood to get that deep into it. Yeah. But I have really high hopes for this one. I'll have a better update um, the next um, the next episode when I get a little bit further into it. But the pairing is pretty easy because she does include her own soundtrack <gasps> in the book. And she even includes little QR codes. So you can just scan it with your phone and go straight to the playlist. Hey, remember that like decade that everybody was like, QR codes are stupid. And then the pandemic happened and we were all like, why did we stop using these? These are pretty handy. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like such an old lady. I opened it and I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, I'm not going to go look up all these songs. But I was like, they have a QR code. <laughs> I'll totally do that. <laughs> I know how to use those. <laughs> Make it just so easy that any stupid person can do it. That's what we need. That's what we need. <laughs> Spoon feeding. Exactly. Um, so Sophie Lark is not new to um, being an author or to the book world. She's pretty popular. Um, I have another book of hers on my shelf that I also have not read yet. Um, but from what I do know and people that I've spoken with, she frequently includes these playlists alongside the book. And they're usually pretty on the money and really enhance your reading. So um, that's coming from third party sources. I will confirm back um, next week uh, my more full in-depth review on it. But that's what I am currently reading. I love that. I love the illustrations. It's so cool. I do too. And I think I'm also having a hard time reading it because I read um, electronically so much. I'm either on my Kindle or I'm reading on my Kindle app on my phone, mm -hmm. especially because I'm on the train all the time or if I'm like waiting in line for lunch or something like that. And so um, it's been a long time since I've had time to sit down and read a book but because this book is so interactive with the music and all of the artwork throughout, I want to sit down and experience it that way. Mm. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'll confirm back. The book is a pairing in itself. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. I can't wait to get into it. I love co-hosting with you because I feel like it's such a good mix of titles. Like you're always bringing fantasy and like, paranormal or uh post-apocalyptic kind of stuff <laughs> and I'm like here's about making lists it's a list book <laughs> about lists <laughs> this is how to make your lists more efficient <laughs> you always keep me so organized though <laughs> Okay, so with that in mind, my currently reading is a nonfiction title. <laughs> um, but it's it's a different topic. So um this is actually a pretty popular book people have been chatting about online. I've seen a couple of people post about it, but it's called This Naked Mind, and it's by Annie Grace. This Naked Mind, the myth busting cult hit for anyone who wants to cut down their alcohol consumption. The tagline is find freedom, discover happiness, and change your life. So um, 
the author really approaches this like this is not a faith-based book so um I mean a lot of my nonfiction titles are so just to throw that out there she is approaching this from the background of um like neurology psychology like this is your brain on alcohol um she I'm very early on in the book so I don't know if she would call herself an alcoholic but she opens the book discussing like um her pretty heavy drinking and that she felt powerless to do anything about it and um just all of this subliminal messages that we are fed about how drinking like makes you more fun it makes social events more uh like endurable if they're not fun it like makes you look sophisticated like all of these things that were told by the media and then also just like reinforcement what is it called um when you believe something and then everything you see reinforces that belief something bias confirmation bias yes um that like then we'll see people in our lives that can handle alcohol well and they look sophisticated doing it and so then you're like oh yeah that like confirms what you're seeing in the media um and it's all well and good until you've actually like packed on a beer belly and then you're like oh (laughs) this isn't so sexy anymore right like it has such a profound um impact on like not only your liver your kidneys but like your heart your brain your sleep like your relationships. Um, and so basically I think her objective with this book is like not to scare anyone, not to make people stop drinking. Like she says very early on in the book, like while you're reading this, I'm not saying don't drink while you read it. Cause you're just going to feel deprived and you're going to be like, man, I really want to drink. <laughs> so she's like, wait till you get to the end of the book. And I think that the arguments that I lay out will make you feel like you just don't even want alcohol anymore which is a bold claim. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, we have, you know, family members that struggle with alcohol. I um, personally, we stopped drinking about three weeks ago, but it wasn't like a, it was more like a dry January kind of thing um, just for health Mm -hmm. reasons. But my face is already so much slimmer. Like I've de-bloated so much. Um, And I would not consider myself a heavy drinker. I mean, so I could see how like the health benefits are insane. Like if you look up on YouTube, there are a lot of videos, but um, like people who have been completely sober for like a year or three years or whatever, and they will show their journey on YouTube and it's like their health benefits are just insane. So I'm going to give it a shot and see, you know, maybe by the end of the book, I probably still will want a margarita when I go out for a Mexican food, <laughs> but I mean, I don't think that I would necessarily be uh, so inclined to be such a social drinker, you know? So you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, and I had started, I had, um, I just drank really heavily through the holidays. Um, I was traveling, I was visiting family, it was my birthday, it was Christmas, you know, so there's wine with every meal, there's going out and events and things like that and I just felt so gross at the first of January that I was like you know what I'm just gonna do dry January I'm just gonna clean up I'm just gonna stop drinking and I've heard about people like people that I know that I've you know drank with in the past that are like sober curious I think is the buzzword going around right now I I know 
they say like, oh, I'm not drinking anymore. And I've thought like, that is unbelievable to me. I don't think that I could ever stop. And I'm the same way. I have drank um, once this year and I was like in it. And I was like, I don't feel good. I don't like this drink. I am not enjoying myself. I already feel bad. I was tired the next day. My skin started breaking out. So I, I haven't been drinking either. I've had, you know, like one, one time this year, I don't, I don't remember how many drinks I had at the time, but it's true. I feel so much better. I have so much more energy. I'm Mm -hmm. not tired all the time. Um, yeah, my face is slimmed down. My skin looks good. My hair looks good. Um, so fully on board with that, but I do get it. Like I, I mean, I, I won't say I'm 100% sober all the time. I mean, I was walking past the new restaurant today that had like their margarita sign out. And I said, oh my gosh, I could really go for a frozen margarita. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the um, thing, like why, um, why when people are like, oh yeah, I'm not drinking. Are, like, we're all like, what? How do you go your whole mm-hmm. life without ever like, wanting to celebrate you don't have champagne like you don't drink but when you really think about it like my parents both of them have never had a drop of alcohol and they're like in their late 50s and that's just not their bag like so but also every time we've gone out to eat the past three weeks when we get the bill we're like what that's that's probably the best part (laughs) we've saved so much money just not ordering drinks out like even if maybe the rule is like, yeah, you have a drink once a week at home, like Jeff can make a great mark. Like we don't have to keep Mm -hmm. paying for it like that, but. Right. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing either. You know, it's Valentine's day is coming up. We're going to a nice dinner. I'm sure we'll have some wine. I mean, um, but no, that's interesting. Let me know how the book is. That's a really bold claim. So I'm curious to say, to see what she has to say. No. The arguments must be compelling because everyone that's posted about it has been like, this is insanely good. Wow. I don't know. I haven't actually seen the reviews on on Goodreads. It has a 4.27 with 13,000 ratings. So that's pretty good. That's Yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. So let's get into what's on your shelf. Oh, wait, I didn't get a pairing. Okay. Reverse. Uno reverse. (laughs) So, um, like I said, I just started this and she doesn't recommend to pair it with like not drinking, which would be the obvious thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I said you should pair this with morning pages. If you've heard of morning pages, um, you, I mean, it's not like a thing that you have to purchase. You just, um, basically like journal first thing in the morning, all your thoughts, So I thought this book would be interesting to read and wake up in the morning and journal because if you are drinking, you know, then you could journal, you probably would, it'd be on your mind like, hey, I'm feeling hungover today or I read this yesterday and this is what I thought about it. Um, And that would be interesting when you get to the end of the book to kind of look back on that and be like, huh, what, what do I really think? And um, she kind of talks about how like, you know, alcohol is kind of, we think it's for one thing, we think we're doing it for like enjoyment of a social situation, but really it's masking something else. Like Mm. there's probably another reason that you're drinking. And so I think just brain dumping, journaling, like some 
pages in the morning um, would be interesting to kind of see what has been on your mind, what's been stressing you out, um, maybe what leads you to drink or not drink, um, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. No, that's great. That that kind of um, self-examination is part of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so now let's get into what's on your shelf. Okay, uh, coming in hot with another fantasy read. <laughs> so next on my shelf is Legendborn um, by Tracy Dion. This one has also been pretty popular. I think it was pretty popular the last year or so. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it was nominated for um, a Goodreads Award for the best YA fantasy. Um, so basically, it's uh, it's YA, so it's about a group of teens. They fight the bad guys. There's a main character trying to avenge her mother's death. Um, good YA fantasy. I've heard phenomenal things about this book. Uh, and the second book came out recently. It's called Bloodmarked. Um, let's see. Legend Born has 84,000 ratings. Goodness. And it's 4.4 stars average. Whoa, people love this thing. Mm-hmm. And I have the book. It was a Christmas gift this year, so I'm really excited to read this one. I might swap this in Anastasia. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. <laughs> What's on your shelf? Okay, so, um, you know, this is the month of love. I love love month. And so um, my, I kind of said in a previous episode, I'm a completist. And so if I like an author, I will read all of their titles. So this is a backlist title from Emily Giffen, who wrote Something Borrowed, um, which was made into a movie. Yeah, with um, Mm -hmm. Kate Hudson and Jennifer Goodwin. So uh, the title is Love the One You're With. Have you heard of it? I haven't. Okay. So, um, basically it's the same, it's the same vein of those kind of books. Um, synopsis goes like this. Ellen and Andy's first year of marriage doesn't just seem perfect. It is perfect. There's no question how deep their devotion is and how naturally they bring out the best in each other. But one fateful afternoon, Ellen runs into Leo for the first time in eight years. Leo, the one who brought out the worst in her. Leo, the one who left her heartbroken with no explanation. Leo, the one she can never quite forget. When his reappearance ignites long dormant emotions, Ellen begins to question whether the life she's living is the one she's meant to live. So another book about someone either about to get married or newly married at like a divergent point in their life, like a decision point in their relationship, which as a, you know, pretty recently married person I find those kind of stories interesting raises Mm -hmm. a lot of questions where you're just like how could you do that man I love my husband so much what are you what are you guys doing (laughs) what do you mean you're entertaining some guy named Leo I have questions (laughs) (laughs) but you know Emily Giffen she's been hit or miss for me she had a couple books that were real hits and then um the one and only is a title of hers that I just could not get on board with. Um, it was great, but there was a main character that falls in love with another character who is like twice her age and practically raised her. And so it was a very like daddy issues kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Like, yep. Like two girls were best friends. 
and one of them grows up and marries the other one's dad like that kind of vibe it was yeah like talking about how hot he is it was like mil it was like a um like dilf fiction (laughs) can i say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah you say that (laughs) so um, anyway, so we'll see. This was one of her earlier books, so I think I'll probably like it. It came out in 2008, so we're really living in the early 2000s on my on my TBR lately. I like it. I mean, I live there most of the time. <laughs> in our velour tracks, track suits. <laughs> hey, catch me in it next time I come to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to get into our main discussion. Um, Because it is I Love Love Month, the month of love, we're going to talk about tropes we love. When you see it tagged on Book Talk or Bookstagram, and it's like hashtag enemies to lovers, hashtag (laughs) only one bed or whatever, you're just like, okay, yes, this title is for me. (laughs) All right, where do you want to start? I don't know. Do you want to go first? I just talked about Emily Giffen, so you go. Sure, I'll go first. So I have a lot of thoughts on tropes, and uh, we'll get to it. (laughs) So my absolute favorite trope is the only one bed trope. I love it. It does me. So last year at a Polycon, there was this woman who's, um, she's a creator, like a creative and she was handing out these buttons and they were called trope buttons that you could put on your um, keep like your neck chain thing, you know, your, what's that called? Your lanyard that you have yeah. to wear around. Your neck and chain. So I, your, neck, your, neck. your collar, your, the chains, the ice. <laughs> um, anyway, so I immediately grabbed the only one bed little button and I've got it displayed up on my, um, on my bookshelf. So a few examples of this, um, Akatar, a very classic example. Um, it also doesn't have to always be romantic. So one example of this is Darker Shade of Magic by um, V.E. Schwab. Have you had a chance to read this one? Nope. V.E. So Schwab, I, she's one of my top favorite authors of all time. I, she does a really good job. But um, Darker Shade of Magic, there was no real romance in it. It's really focused on um, kind of the magic and the battling and the fantasy and the world building and things like that. Um, But there was a little bit of a side story. It was a really innocent slow burn. And um, there was a case where they opened the door and there was only one bed. And I set the book down and I was like, this pumping in the air because I was like, this, where they fall in love <laughs> I love it um yes very passionate about this one I love it uh what, what do you want to start with um okay I also had only one bed um but <laughs> that wasn't one that I had expounded on so I would like to start with fish out of water do you know what I'm talking about tell me more Okay, so a fish out of water story, like where the main character is dropped in a situation, like, okay, Hallmark does this all the time, right? They take someone who was meant to be the nanny, and she's mistaken for, like, the princess of Genovia, or whatever. (laughs) 
So I guess that's more mistaken identity, but you know what I mean? Like you're just out of your depth. Um, So my favorite book that did this the absolute best, I've got to loan you this. It's so good. And no one is talking about it. So we're talking about it. It's The Summer Job by Lizzie Dent. Doesn't this look like it's just so Instagrammable? The cover is very cute. It's very cute. And I've never seen this online. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? This book is so freaking good. So. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah, I guess I'm the one (laughs) spilling the tea. But yeah. So also, I like love anything set in the UK. And um, at the beginning of the book, our main character takes a job that she is absolutely (laughs) unequipped for as a sommelier at a like fancy, fancy hotel and restaurant in Scotland so okay yes she's a hot mess express but we love her she's got a redemption arc a mile wide so um and of course there's a romance element to it as well but she arrives in Scotland she's brought in and they're like okay um we're gonna take you down to the wine cellar it's a very small um group that works at this restaurant and the cast of characters is so wonderful. Like it's an ensemble cast. Like think, you know how like when you watch The Office, you like love every character for a different reason. That's how you feel yeah. about these guys. And um, so yeah, they take her down to the wine cellar and they're like, okay, we're going to bring you the fall menu and you can come up with the wine pairings. And she's like, what? <laughs> so she just starts like, <laughs> wishing wine around in her mouth like she doesn't even know how to do like a proper wine tasting and people will catch her out in like certain situations and she'll just like make something up on the fly that like totally explains away whatever she just did (laughs) and you know the whole time that like the truth will come out but she's definitely a fish out of water like she should not be in this situation and it's pretty cringe but like you love it (laughs) that sounds so good it is so to the list. I'm debating if I should read the synopsis because I feel like I mean I told you kind of what it's about, right? Yeah, I I like your sort of okay. your summary. Okay, give some good. personality. Let's go on to yours. Okay, mine are not the hot takes. But it's what I enjoy. It's what brings me joy. This is how Um, the confirmation bias that we like these books. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So my next um, trope in the favorites list, I don't want to say it's my second favorite, but is the forced proximity Mm. uh, trope. Love it. Particularly when the lovers are still enemies. Mm, yes and there's so much tension yes um so some examples of this the hating game yes um throne of glass um from blood and ash the luck series the night circus Mm -hmm. arguably i can always fit the night circus into any conversation make a case for it yeah (laughs) best book of all time (laughs) (laughs) um yes it's the tension it's 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 everything. Also, uh, book lovers by Emily Henry. Book lovers, yeah, that's a good one. I was yeah, I'm trying to like think of a deep cut. Um, Wait, book lovers. Book lovers is the one where they're in the houses next to each other, right? 
No, book lovers is when she goes to the small town. I'm thinking, which also that was like enemies. They were in a very small town together, so they kept running into each other. But um, I think <laughs> beach read where they're in the houses yeah. next door to each other. Yes, yes, that's a good one. Um, yes, I was trying to think of some like a deep cut to suggest, but all the books are very popular, and it's because people love this trope. They really <laughs> it do. makes for good books. Um. Yeah, I have something to say about that, but we can get through. I have three main tropes to get through. How many do you have? Um, I could do another one. Okay. So um, this next one, I don't know what people call it. This is another one that is not super popular, but that's why I wanted to bring it to the podcast because I think it's something that people aren't thinking about. Um, I'm calling it the My Fair Lady. Or the- Yours are so interesting. The Tell she's all that. The She's All That? You remember that movie? Yes, I do. So this is where the geek takes off their glasses and boom, they're hot. Okay, or, yep. Or someone is like, I bet you $20 that you can't make this guy fall in love with you. And the other person's like, okay, you're on. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, the book that I chose that I feel like just embodies this so perfectly, and I really love this book, is called One in a Million by Lindsay Kelk. Have you heard of it? Okay. I haven't. I always ask you that because I'm like, I think I'm throwing you for a loop. Okay. Let me read you the synopsis. This book was so freaking cute. Okay. Everyone wants that special someone. Annie Higgins has given up on love. She's too busy trying to get her tiny business off the ground. Infuriated by the advertising agency across the hall making fun of her job, Annie accepts their crazy challenge to make a random stranger Instagram famous in just 30 days. Even when they choose Dr. Samuel Page, PhD, historian, and hater of social media as her target, Annie is determined to win the bet whether Sam likes it or not. But getting to know Sam means getting to know more about herself. And before the 30 days are out, Annie has to make a decision about what's really important. It's funny, real, and heart-meltingly romantic. Annie and Sam's story is my fair lady for the social media age and the perfect feel-good read. That is so relevant. It's just adorable. It's so cute. Like, he's so... I guess you could... Also say that he's like a curmudgeon, like a grumpy sunshine, uh, is also this book. That's always a good one, too. Um, grumpy sunshine always reminds me of, you watched um, Parks and Rec? Yeah, heck yeah. It always reminds me of that couple, Andy and, um, gosh, what's the girl's name? Oh, yes they're my favorite okay so um, you said you could do one more what would it be all right so my next one is a uh, a second chance romance but hmm. I'm a sucker for it um they're usually really cute so a good example of this is you deserve each other by Sarah Hogel I talked about this one last week and I'm gonna plug it again because I think you should read it I can't wait. Uh, in particular, I think everybody else should give it a try, too. You know me so well. So <laughs> I will take that recommendation. All right, what do you have? Fake relationship. Fake dating. Don't you love it? 
I love this one too. Yes. Oh no, I have to pretend you're my boyfriend. Darn. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to flip that on its head. So my book for this is The Ex Talk. These are two people who never dated and are pretending to be exes. Oh. Talk about a reverse. <laughs> And they co-host, um, like, I guess it's a radio show. It's kind of like a pod. I mean, it's pretty much a podcast. Oh, yeah. The X Talk does become a podcast. That's correct. So um, it's two people who kind of butt heads in the office. And then they are losing ratings on uh, their network. And the boss is like, come up with a concept for sh- the show. And one of them just kind of throws out, like, wouldn't it be funny if we got two exes and made them, like, share their opinions on different things and they, they can like rib each other and mm-hmm. he's like yeah that's a great idea okay you two do it and they're like but we never dated and he's like what's your point so um it's really good it's really cute it's a romance in the truest sense of the word I will say the thing that turned me off about this book I actually gave my copy away because I was like I won't read it again And the reason for that is at the very end, he is like expressing his feelings to the girl, which is not a spoiler because it's a romance. There's a happily ever after, obviously. But he's like trying to tell her how he feels and he's using the F word like every other sentence. Like it's constant. Mm. And for me, like that makes the character seem, I don't know, almost ignorant. Is that mean to say? Because I'm just like, think of other words to tell me how special I am to you besides you're just so effing great and I just effing want to F you, F, F, F. Like, that's not romantic. And it's just kind of like, it ruined it for me. I was like, I'm no longer on board. Got it. Yes, completely agree. It's very unpolished. And yeah, come up with some better words. And I like Rachel and Solomon. Like, I like her writing. I would say like, at that point, I, it almost felt like lazy. That feels mm. mean to say, but it almost felt like lazy writing. Like you want to get this point across that he's feeling so intense and passionate, but instead of writing words that would like cut me to my soul and be like, oh my God, if a man ever said that to me, I'd be like a puddle. Instead, you just threw in a bunch of swear words and like, mm. eh, any college so- friend guy could say that. <laughs> So it's worth a read, but not a reread. I think if that doesn't bother you, you're going to enjoy this book. I'm very sensitive about that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't be a reread for me, but I did enjoy it the first time I read it until that last little bit. So and I think that's a fair assessment. Good to know. It's going on my list. Okay. So a couple other things that we didn't discuss, but I put as like honorable mentions. Can I throw them out there? Yes. Okay. Friends to Lovers, obviously. That one's always cute. My favorite example, The Cheat Sheet by Sarah Adams was very sweet. Friends to Lovers, that's the whole storyline. Um, um, also, uh, another Emily Henry, <laughs> the queen, um, people we meet on vacation. Yeah. And um, what was the other one I was thinking? Oh, uh, In a Holidays by Christina Lauren. That was like childhood friends to like grown-up lovers. That was great. I Aww. loved that one. It was so sweet. Um, another trope that like I could only think of one example of, but I know that more exists. So if you can help me out with this. 
um when the like one character is sick and the other one is the caretaker so like in the hating game when Lucy is like throwing up and he like shows up and she's like is this a fever dream and he's like being all sweet and like taking care of her and that's kind of when you see that his feelings are like deeper I love yes I like that too um that's also when people we meet on vacation um you're right that's oh that's such a sweet scene in that book too um I'm trying to think of another one but those two are just those are real winners yeah um of suggestions I want to throw in the worst trope okay go for it I'm ready miscommunication yes I agree it's so frustrating (laughs) worst of all time I will instantly put the book down (laughs) like just be an adult and go talk to them that's what got me about Jasmine Guillory. Uh, I tried to read The Wedding Date and it was like so annoying that I was like, you're adults. Yes. Just speak to each other. Like, I couldn't finish. I DNF'd. She had, a, she had another one that I read. I believe it was called The Proposal. Yep, The Proposal. Mm-hmm. And it really, it was kind of annoying. Um I, it's hard for me to put into words exactly what it was. I wouldn't say it was miscommunication in particular, but she has not been my favorite me author. Neither. I haven't read anything. Um, of if any, well, if anybody can throw in maybe a counter argument for her novels, we'd love to hear it. I will say I read an interesting article about publishing recently that was like, book talk is kind of ruining original work because people are tagging based on these tropes and then people are writing to the tropes. So authors Mm -hmm. as they're creating are like, well, it's going to be really easy to pitch this to my publisher because you can tag it with these five things. And people are really liking those five things right now online. And so it's squashing originality. It's kind of conforming to the way everything else is in our world right now with kind of like instant gratification. Um, you know, give me what I want to see, give it to me quick, give it to me easy and fast, you know, um, I, I'm kind of, kind of disappointed I, in that. Like, for the rest of my life, could only read titles that were, like, Grumpy Sunshine, like, for the rest of my life, <laughs> without <laughs> and, like, who yeah. wants that? It's good to break out of your box and try something that isn't tagged with any kind of tropes. We love the tropes. We're sitting here talking about it, but it's, like, we can't be so in love with them that we box in our authors and people that are original can't get publishing deals, you know? So it's a fine line. Exactly. Well, I hope through this we can shed light on some of those uh, out-of-the-box stories and books and authors and try to keep it alive. I agree. And and we can write some original work, too. Let's get on that. So that, honestly, I might put some tropes in my work, though, because they're so good. Just want yeah, them. I mean, yeah, you can you can have them. You can have other things, too. Maybe I just need to come up with a way to kind of subvert the genre. Like, uh, the ex-talk was, like, fake relationship, but it wasn't a dating relationship. It was a breakup relationship. Fantastic. All right. Well, I can't believe we did this in two recordings. We are getting so much better at this. I'm so proud of us. Me too. This was a lot of fun. 
I think so too. I think this will be like a decently short episode when we get it all edited together. So it'll be good. A good size. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Instagram at Shelves in the City. You can find me on Instagram at Story Pairings with an S. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. We're so good. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Story Pairings. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Story Pairings with an S and leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. Happy reading.